you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Oh my God, it's the Chris Voss Show! Ah! That's the first time I've ever done that. Hey, folks, welcome to the Chris Foss Show. <laughs> Thechrisfossshow.com. I don't know. That's a kind of a new way to start it. We try and always improv the front of this thing. That's the first time I've done that in 12 years. Uh, so I don't know. Does that sound cool? I don't know. Does that sound cool, Corey? I don't know. Man, that could have paint, that could have stripped the paint off the walls. It was so crazy yeah, in here. As far as that intro, show. wow, that's incre- it's incredible. I was really impressed by that. <laughs> Thanks, I man. I just made that up. Uh, anyway, guys, thanks for uh, tuning in once again. Uh, go to the iTunes there and make a great referral to the show. Uh, put down how much you love the show, how much you worship the show. Remember, the Chris Foss Show is a family that loves you completely, unconditionally. You won't get that from anybody but a dog. We love you unconditionally, but remember, just like unlike your family, we don't judge you. So that's even better. Unconditional love and no judgment. Yeah, where where else the hell can you get that in life? I mean, even your dog will judge you. I mean, they'll still love you, but anyway, that's a whole different thing. So anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in. Go to all of our groups on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Sign up for that LinkedIn newsletter. That thing's killing it over there in a big 131,000 LinkedIn group and uh, all that good stuff. Today we have an amazing author on the show. He's talking about his journey and uh, some of the stuff he learned and uh, what he does now to help other people. He is the author of a book that just came out December 8th, twenty. 21 take it off revelations of a male exotic dancer Corey lane hilton is going to be on the show with us today he's going to be talking about everything he does things he learned and also how to help others with self-worth etc etc he is a well-respected canadian author and introspective influencer on the subject of self-worth he's entertained thousands of clients internationally spanning a 25-year career in the male exotic dance industry, unknowingly laying the groundwork for his raw, mission-driven message through a unique and colorful perspective. Utilizing his life experience and having dedicated extensive time researching self-worth, he is widely regarded by men over 30 who suffer from blocks related to unworthiness, egotism, and lack of emotional expression. He's a men's mental health advocate, and he challenges stereotypical definition of man enough welcome to the show Corey. how are you hey thanks so much chris i'm doing really good that was a lot to unwrap so i understood you stumbling there at the end of that one but no hey i really appreciate you having me on the show to be honest it's an honor and i've definitely listened to a few of your episodes from the past so uh, much respect thanks so much for having me thanks on. man we really appreciate it so give us your plugs your .coms where people can find you on the interwebs yeah. please Sure. Yeah, it's simple. Takeitoff.ca. I'm up here in British Columbia, Canada, in the Okanagan Valley. So uh, that's the best place to go to catch my my courses and my book. Of course, the book has been released now for the last couple of months, and it was, it was really been awesome to be able to get the the responses and the reviews and other people's perspectives on what I've wrote because I believe a lot in getting other people's perspectives out of, outside of just the lens that I see life through. So mm-hmm. yeah, really really cool actually all the way around. And this whole experience has been actually improving my creativity which is one of my core values that provides me a lot of excitement in life. So when I was an entertainer back in the day, I had a lot of creativity and it's been roughly 10 years now since I've been out of the 
industry. So when you kind of have that loss of that, you're kind of searching for it again later in life. And so through this process, I've been able to find that again and, and just using it in a different way than it was before. Before it was creative on the exterior. Now it's more creative on the interior, trying to make more of an impact and help others out with some of the struggles that I dealt with. So. You know, the fun part about life, I don't, well, sometimes it doesn't seem fun at the time, but the, the great part about life is there's so many lessons we all go through and there's so many journeys. And, you know, I learned a long time ago, life was like a giant catalog and you got to choose what you wanted to do. And so I did. And, you know, I, I, I left the business you were in last Chippendales finally put their foot down. Um, oh man! I'm actually really? friends with somebody who who uh, used to run Chippendale <laughs> uh, in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, and we probably know him. And uh, he, anyway, the uh, <laughs> so these journeys we go on, you know, there's yeah. so many different lessons that we can learn in life, and then a lot of those lessons apply and can help other people that can do it. And sometimes, of course, the the you know life skills being the teacher sometimes learns more than the students. Oh man, you know, but the thing is, Chris, is you have to be willing, no matter what it is. If you're trying to get in better shape, you have to be willing. If you want to address your authenticity, you have to be willing. If you want to become the best version of yourself, you have to be willing, right? Like these are all things that, that I obviously preach, but I also practice as well. You can sit there and take notes about things all day long, but unless you're going to take action on those notes and it's all for naught, right? So mm -hmm. in my own way, through my own lens, I just saw something that was kind of gold. And to be completely straightforward, it was motivated by a lot of other people in my life that sat there and said, Hey, Corey, you told me this insane story about this career of yours. I have no idea. Like I would never want to do what you did, but Oh my God, like tell me more. Right. So that was kind of my driver. It was like, okay, I've only journaled and documented 25 years of crazy ass stories on the Canadian side and the American side of the border. And I thought to myself at that time, I was like, what value do I have? I'm only a guy that took his clothes off for a living. What, what, what do I have to provide to the world? Right. And that was that inner critic talking to me. Is just kind of saying, oh, yeah, you're just this. And so when I started to take the steps and actually go and do the things that I used to do back when I was a dancer and be bold enough to, to take those steps and, and meet the right people and present myself the right way, doors started to open up. And, and it really actually, it really, really started after I wrote the book to be completely straightforward. Like the writing process was really cool. But it was really the, the whole learning process of, of learning how to really write based on my authentic self, on my values, the feelings that were connected to those values. And that made a, a good book into something really, really great. And so now it's just expanding into more. It's turned into something that I'm, I'm and I jokingly say this for the willing people that are willing to actually take my courses is just simply, I'm going to show you mine. You show me yours. And I know that sounds a little creepy, but at the same time, I'm literally saying here, read all the crazy shit that I did, read all the things that I'm going to be vulnerable about, all the pitfalls that I went through. You you tell me if you can relate to any of those things. It's through a different lens, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of things that you're going to be able to relate to in there. So just, you know, it's one of those things that it opens that door a little bit more when you're willing to go there, when you're willing mm -hmm. to show that side of you. So that's what my hope is with this whole mission of Take It Off is to get people to take off the layers of shit that's in their head that's been programmed in there for their own entire life and that's where it comes back to that man enough thing a little bit like i kind of struggled with that trying to be man enough not wanting to cry always trying to make sure you know making sure that i didn't cry and show emotion always trying to to be the hunter gatherer putting all that pressure on myself and in the end it didn't do anything for me in fact it actually screwed me up in a lot of ways and didn't allow me to release emotions and really become a better version of me internally so mm -hmm. yeah it's just a, been a really interesting process that liberated me from the i guess you could say the 
the person that I was in my former career, in my former life. So mm-hmm. a lot of people go through that through since COVID. Like I know that a lot of people have wrote books and they've done a lot of self-discovery journeys and that's awesome. And I'm glad that people have, to be honest. But at the same time for me, it was mandatory. I just didn't want to end up living like I was before and never really hitting that higher state of consciousness with, with people professionally or for that matter, personally. So yeah. And, and, and that's important. You know, I mean, a life that's unlearned, I don't, there's some quote for, from this, so I'm going to butcher it because I don't know, I don't have it off the top <laughs> of my head, but a life, a uh, life not learned or a life unlearned is a wasted life, I think is, is the quote for roughly. And, you know, some, a lot of people go through life on autopilot. They just, oh, whatever society tells them they do. Uh, I remember there's that famous uh, scene that I love from Fight Club where, you know, what, it, what you know, we're, we're, we're boys raised by, we're the first generation of boys raised by women. Uh, is another woman really all we need? My dad told me that, uh, my dad told me to, uh, you know, go to school, get good grades. Okay, so I did that. Then I graduated high school and my dad said, you know, go to college. I went to college yeah. and I got out of college. And I said, what do I do now, dad? And dad goes, uh, get married. And you're just like, come on, man. Um, and, and so people, you know, they go through life through that robotic thing totally. and, you know, you went through some, I guess, some issues maybe in your childhood, I'm guessing. Oh um, man, totally. Yeah, we all do. Like, we all I, do. honestly, I believe that <laughs> totally. Like if anybody out there says that they don't have mental issues mental health issues, I'm kind of like, okay, do I really want to trust this person now? Because I mean, there is an element of it that everybody struggles with a little bit of it in some way or another. Right. So, and it's interesting that you asked, you were saying about childhood, because for me, right in the first chapter of my book, actually, I wrote about when I was about five or six years old. And, and it's kind of interesting because what I did was with every chapter in my book, I focused on a pillar. And the pillar really is maybe, for example, in my first chapter, it's truth. And then I had a struggle with the pillar and the struggle was my perspective of the truth. It was, Mm -hmm. it it was skewed, right? Even at five years old, I was unintentionally inauthentic. I didn't even know what the meaning of authenticity was at that time, obviously, but this is the story behind it. And I've said this on other podcasts. It's just kind of a funny little story, but I, my aunt and my uncle, they actually took me to the fair at a really young age, like I say, and they put me on a Ferris wheel and I got stuck at the top of the Ferris wheel, things creaking, I'm freaking out, I'm crying, losing my shit. And, and anyway, and I I just didn't understand how could my family members that love me actually put me on this Ferris wheel and traumatize the shit out of this little kid. And so years went by and I said to my aunt, I said, aunt Carol, like why in God's name would you ever do something like that to a kid? And she said, Corey, Oh my God. And she was like, she started laughing and she said, I moved the mall. She's like, I plugged a quarter in the thing. It was maybe seven feet tall. You were just up there crying like a bitch. Right. And I'm just, I think to myself, I just laughed about that. You know what happened? with that believe it or not it held me back there was a fear inside of me of heights that held me back from doing the great things like maybe going parasailing or maybe skydiving or whatever that fear that anticipation of that always held me back and until i figured that block out and got rid of that block i wasn't able to do that and so a couple years ago i jumped into kawasan falls in the philippines from 15 meters high and it it was just like exhilarating so you know just like these these things that i mean that's living life but then these blocks these things hold you back from it sometimes and we're all human like we all have that in us and so you know if you think that i have it all figured out you're wrong like i still have the inner critic that's inside of me every oh, single day we all do right i just have learned now that when that inner critic starts talking to me i know how to actually deflect it 
like that's the difference now is, is that I'm aware. And I think yeah. that that's the biggest thing is, is awareness in general is just massive when it comes to this sort of stuff. And I think a lot of people regurgitate the same information. It's just over and over again. There's only so much you can say in the health self-help realm, so to speak, but I'm just kind of coming in at a different angle, man. Like, you know, how many people do you know that have been in the, in a male stripper for 25 years? First off, <laughs> you know, like I don't just know me. anyone. <laughs> well, okay. You're, you're my, I only did like uh, 15, I think. Okay. Well, if you need an agent from here forward, come talk to me. I'll hook you up. Take 15% of everything you make, but I'm just saying. You know, what's funny. That's a real joke. I tell when I, I used to go like to Christmas dinner with my friends, she'd have a, she's a real angel. She just recently got married, but she'd have a, what do they call it? A singles giving or something. It would be Thanksgiving dinner with single people. And we lived in Vegas. So, you know, everyone's single. Oh, there you go. And so she'd throw a huge spread with her and her family, and, and she's a wonderful. She was one of my models, actually, with my agency about 20 years ago. And and so any any place I go where I can get away with a joke, you know, I clearly don't do this in board meetings and corporate events and consulting, <laughs> but any place I can get away with a joke, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll pull the straight man and the people will be like, hey, let's go around the room and have everybody introduce themselves as who they are. And they'll be like, hey, hey, Chris, what do you do? And I'll be like, I'm just retired from being a strip, a male stripper. I'm from Chippendales. And you know, we lived in Vegas, so it had some, you know, you nice. could, you could credibility. credibility out of it. And, and yeah, I just quit last week and, uh, I'm just looking for my next career and what I want to do. And I just played straight dead on and people are like, <laughs> Give me a double take and they look at me. And of course, usually they start laughing. And I'm like, what the fuck you people, man? You don't believe I was a male stripper last week? Fuck you people. And of course, they'd laugh more. So I've used that joke for years <laughs> so now. So I man, love so. it. But love uh, it. what love were it. some of the things people are going to learn from your book and the lessons? Because like, what, yeah. what are some things that they're going to, that's going to help them maybe in, in through some man. of your journeys or maybe a favorite story you have? Dude, there's so many stories in that thing because it's like a hundred thousand words, and it's just like you know, there's, there's it's just ridiculous. It took me almost five years to write it because it was wow. like just well, because there's just so many over twenty five years. You know, there's a lot of mess in the message, right? Like, I mean, it's just you know, especially wow. doing that industry, right? Like, I went every, I had I had dealt with you know the standards, the divorce, and all that stuff, but 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 really for me, it was a lot to do with addictions too, right? Like, it's everything from sex addiction to drug addiction. If you want to know the honest goods goods on that one, because I mean, mm-hmm. I went through. I, I really focus a lot on relationships in the book because relationships and, and really creating great memories are kind of what life's all about in the first place in my eyes. So, you know, I had my struggles when it came down to that and I didn't really understand why I had the struggles until long after and I was able to connect the dots. So what I mean by that is, is through the writing process, I was able to go back and go, okay, like when I went through my divorce, for example, I had this lack of creativity. It, it, it really took away my feeling of excitement. So that aspect of myself changed in comparison to the guy she married eight years before. So was it completely her fault in our breakup? No, I realized that I started to use the thumb instead of always using the finger and pointing blame at everyone else. So that kind of came with the territory with not just my marriage, but just my, even my professional relationships where I was always trying to be a perfectionist. I was really always kind of just that guy that was looking at everybody else and comparing myself and all that. And that's a slippery slope, right? And a lot of us out there in this world do that, especially with social media and stuff. It's an airbrushed world, right? If you're not owning up, you're not keeping up with the Joneses, that inner critic starts getting stronger and stronger. And all of a sudden you're just like, oh, I'm just this. And, you know, I think I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, just give up. And it's Mm -hmm. sort of, it's one of those things that 
that is one of the, one of the biggest things that I learned was through the through the writing process was really focusing in on those values, literally writing those values down, and then attaching the feelings that those values have, attaching the feelings to those values. And so that I know when I'm the opposite of one of those feelings, if you're keeping up with me, when I'm the opposite of one of those feelings, I'm actually in the really wrong place. I'm actually Mm -hmm. in a very inauthentic place. So I can actually pinpoint and go back to say, for example, if I'm feeling disconnected, well, Mm -hmm. relationships for me, give me connection. So if I'm not, if I'm feeling disconnected, I have to go back to one of my relationships and go, okay, was it, is my girlfriend? Is it my mom? Is it my boss? Is it, who is it in my life that is a relationship that that is kind of not right right now? And I need to go back there and, and talk to them and, and really kind of try to try to iron that out to feel back connected again. So Mm -hmm. I guess, like I said, it really comes back to, for me anyways, by connecting those dots, I became a far better version of myself. And the guy that I used to look in the mirror at that had the perfect body that was Mr. Nude Western Canada one time that placed second in Mr. Nude Canada, all that good stuff that had all that status. That guy Mm -hmm. that I looked at in the mirror before, I didn't love that guy. Now, the guy that I look in the mirror now, I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it because I'm more of a complete package. I don't just focus on the exterior. I actually now am completely connected with the in, inner work, and now I can be better next time. I'm never going to – nobody's ever going to be perfect. That's just bullshit. Yeah, there's no – Right? There's this no, is bullshit. But there's, there's better, people right? – I used to think I had a perfect run in life, and, and I was batting a 1,000, and, and suddenly the ball started fouling. And I was like – I mean, business. I smacked like four or five home runs in a row. Nice. And, you know, my board and people were like, you're the home run kid. And I thought I was. And that was probably <laughs> – the moment I started thinking I was, was probably when I went off the rail. That's right. Um, That's right. And, you know, and we did have a lot on our plate. There's only so much we, we could handle. I mean, running three companies is kind of dumb when it really comes down to it. trying to be CEO of, of so many different things. But, but even then it wasn't, it wasn't healthy and you know, it's whatever I had good partners and that's kind of what got me through some of it. But Sweet, you know, man. people, people learn from their journeys. You know, you talked about relationships and stuff. I, I don't know if this, you went through this journey, but what I find is a lot of men have lost their space. There's no space for men to tribe up and go hunting together and do stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, when I grew up, my uncle or my, not my uncle, my grandfather, my father would take us fishing. We do guy stuff. We with right. boy scouts and, and, and stuff. We, we go do stuff. Even in my younger years, you know, us as men, we go do stuff. Like we didn't really do fishing, but you know, we, we go do stuff. Yeah. And you know, men have lost bars. They've lost all the different avenues they have to have. About the only time they can do man stuff is they're relegated to the dirtiest part of their house in the garage. And a lot of men don't keep relationships with other men, especially once they get married or they get into yep. and do a thing. And I find yeah. that that's a real problem. I know some of my gamer community keeping men together is a real thing. And mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people men really, especially if they if they alienate all their men friends, because I've had that over the all my years of being sure. single. You know, my yeah. male friends will come to me and they'll be like, hey, Chris, I got my girlfriend or my new wife, and uh, she says I can't hang out with you anymore. And, right. uh, you know, because you're that single guy and you always got girls around and stuff, you know, you're that evil single, you know, influence uh, single guy. And so, you know, you know, I have to go hang out with the married people now. You know, and then, of course, two years later, they call me and they're like, oh, I'm single again. And she, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, dude, you're a fucking idiot, man. You, you take care of your guy friends. So I don't know what you think, but in my opinion, 
one of the problems men have nowadays is they don't keep their men friends around. They don't keep their tribe and they're, we're hunters. We're tribalists. There's things yeah. that only men can talk about with each other and do mm-hmm. things. And, and we don't even have to talk to each other. You know, you can go fishing all day with your friend and say five words to them and you yeah. bond with them. That's like what you just said has a lot to do with why I'm actually moving into the realm that I'm moving into because it is something that it's not I don't like to use the word underfunded, but it actually is something that is not really addressed. And so when it comes down to even here in Canada, right, like three or four suicides right now are men. There's a reason why. Right. Like there really yeah. is. And, and it's not just because of COVID. Like I understand that COVID is a component mm-hmm. of it because when you're going to try to be the hunter gatherer and you're not able to gather as much as you could before, that can be very detrimental to your head. But I think that when it comes down to that emotional connection, I get that like, man, when you're talking about like <laughs> fishing and going with your, your folks and doing that sort of stuff, how essential that is for me, I really relate to that because I was raised by my grandfather. So my grandfather mm-hmm. passed away at 97 years old, a couple of years ago, and he was world war two vet. He was wow. programmed to have no emotion whatsoever. His, he had, you know, mental health issues in his family background way back in the depression era where people were obviously dealing with a lot worse situations than we are right oh, now, man. even. So when you, you can't comprehend some of the stuff that that, that person went through, but guess what does happen? Happen, they pass down some really great tools to you as far as morality, integrity, you know, they have all those great things that the that greatest generation had, but they also pass down some of those other things that those lack, that the, 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 the perception of money being evil, put it under your mattress to save it for a rainy day, right? Like all those things that are, that are just embedded. And so when, when, I talk, when I talk about emotional disconnection, the reason why I'm so deeply into that is because I am at fault just as bad or worse than anybody for it, because I literally followed the same path as the person that raised me and tried to get into a marriage and be basically a Ricky and Lucy relationship in the year 2000, which didn't work out so freaking well, right? So just saying, like I, I tripped over, I fell many times, but I got back up and wanted to work on it. I was willing, right? So, and that's liberating when you're willing. I didn't want to be in a position, Chris, where I was going to live my life and be on my deathbed and not actually truly experience life on that level. I really wanted that higher state of consciousness. So I'm willing to work to get there. And I'm not there yet. Like, I still have to work on things, right? Like, I'm always trying my best to be better. But at the same time, I realize why those things happened now. And so it's just a matter of being aware of what it was that caused that in my head to start with so that I can go, okay, now I know what not to do. (laughs) And that doesn't take away from my love for my family, like deep love for my family. I don't have to agree with what they what they necessarily did, but I can still have love for them, right? It's, It's just one of those things where... I truly realized that that he had his faults, but he was a great man. I looked up to him. He was like Superman to me in a lot of ways. And I looked up to him for, on his pedestal. And that was my problem with a lot of relationships was I was always looking up at somebody on their pedestal or I was looking down from mine. And I was never really looking them in the eye. I was never really kind of trying to understand this other person that I was talking to. And I think that that has a lot to do with some of the issues even in the world right now where we're always right. I'm right, you're wrong. I'm right, you're wrong. Black and white tribal. And I'm just kind of that person now that goes, hey, man, I may completely disagree with you. I just want to try to understand you. Like I want to get in that head of yours for a few minutes and figure that out. And so even if I disagree still, we can move on. I can at least get why you feel the way you do, right? Maybe you were born in the southern U.S. and I was born up here in Canada. You've seen life through a different lens. That's cool. At least I know now. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah, it's kind of 
been my thing with this whole authenticity journey is just trying to understand others and get into their head. And that's what a true authentic leader wants to do, really. Yeah, it's, it definitely is. I mean, men, men commit suicide three to four times the amount of women. We go through a lot of stuff and we carry a lot of load because we're normally, we have to be providers. We have to bring stuff to the table. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that men go through. I recently talked about this with what Kanye West is going through. And mm-hmm. clearly I'm not, I'm an old classic rocker i'm not into rap i mean rap's music, but i you know i'm led zeppelin and metallica right. I mean, sorry right. it's just what you, you grow up in what you grow up in yeah, um, we're on the same in team. whatever age you know <laughs> i mean if you're young you like rap if you, you grew up in my age you like classic rock but so you know you can call me old all day long whatever you want hey, you're not old you're just older you're just older not yeah, old. we had the best music in fact rap steals our music and samples that's right it. so that's that tells you how great our music goes that's right so but kanye west you know he's been going through a lot of issues with you know his divorce and i've mm-hmm. seen this you know if you've dated if you've dated any single mom especially one that got divorced like i have You've, you've had a, a divorced dad very unhappy with you. And sometimes it, you've had threats of violence and different things. So I had some people that, I had some women's planners that came on and started telling me, oh, Kanye West, you know, he has, he just has mental health problems. And I will agree with that. I think that man does have, probably needs to see a psychiatrist, uh, and maybe get off, I don't know, whatever he's on. But, uh, <laughs> But aside from that, I, you know, all I see is a man going through what most men go through when they divorce, you know, because they lose access to their kids. They're used to tucking their kids on. And I, there's so many men that I've said, you know, you have a real problem with that. Your wife or girlfriend, you need to get rid of her. You need to get the hell out of that situation because men complicate themselves with all stupid stuff, you know, cap save a hoe and everything else they do. And, and, and they'll be like, Chris, I, I can't. I want to still be able to tuck my kids in at night. And sadly, in some of these relationships, they're, they're being blackmailed with that danger that they'll lose access to their kids and they, they just know what happens. That's but uh, yeah. And so, really you know, these guys commit suicide at a very high yeah. rate and partially is, you know, most of the men that, that come to me, they're having trouble with, you know, manhood issues like that. And, mm-hmm. and what they're dealing with is I'm like, dude, you, you let go of your tribe. You have nothing to fall back on. That's so you're right. Alone. That's right. So it's important yeah. that, you know, you know, what you're doing is stuff, helping men understand what they're going through and stuff and, and their self-worth and their value. You know, I mean, I, I see this all the time with women in magazines and everything else. They're always told, know your value, honey, know your value, which is good. That's good. You should know your value. But sure. men aren't raised with the same sort of thing. And men, you know, I'll talk to men and say, you, you need to know your value, man. And you know yeah. your worth, and you're worth a whole lot more than you think you are, and you need to stand up for that and and put up boundaries and lines. Amen so, to that. Yeah, yeah. I, I relate to that big time, Chris, because like you know, I mean, I was in a status role, like not necessarily a status role, like some of the actors or maybe musicians that are out there that I've looked up to on their pedestal before. But we're all just humans, right? And a lot of those people that I've looked up to, like the Michael Hutchinses of the world, or the the Chester Benningtons of the world, or the Chris Cornells, or whatever, right? Like, I would give anything to have had maybe one minute in their shoes to be up on that stage hitting those notes that they were hitting and that amazing talent that they had. But I don't know what it was like inside their head. And a lot of people didn't know what it was like inside my head either. So that's what I'm when I'm talking to that guy out there that's 30 or so years old that's struggling with this shit. Basically, all I'm trying to say is, is, hey, man, you know, we're not that far off. We're really yeah. not like, I'm. I, yeah, I was this stripper for all these years. And yeah, I worked in like the largest beach club in North America. And I had all this freaking <laughs> fame and all this bullshit. Right. And I was up on this billboard and it was like still mind blowing to me. I look back on it. And I'm like, did that really happen? But at the same time, 
You know, I had the same struggles, man. And, you know, where, where I'll tell you what, you know, to be honest with you, I was so emotionally disconnected and I was so hungry for emotion that when I left my family, my friends and everything that I had here in Canada to go and pursue this dream of going to work in the U.S. and work down in Florida at this massive club, when I walked into that scenario, I actually had never touched a drug in my life. Like I maybe had a six pack of beer at a party when I was in my teens, but all of a sudden I walk into this club and it was like, Oh, one of my friends is like, Oh, pop this little ecstasy pill and see what happens. And next thing you know, I'm like, Oh, that open door to emotion just goes boom. And like, all of a sudden it was like some, it was like, I hadn't, I hadn't eaten food. I'd eaten food all my life, but I'd never really tasted it. And all of a sudden I could taste it. And it was just like, Holy shit. So I went deep. And, wow. and I, I had a lot of fun, don't get me wrong, but that door that I opened up didn't take me anywhere that I wanted to go. It didn't take uh-huh. me to the place I was looking for, right? Like, So now it's more so that even when I do what I do now and I make an impact on someone, even if it's somebody that actually says, hey, you know what, you kind of talk me down from some shit or whatever it might be, that gives me that little bit of juice that I actually got from taking that ecstasy pill back down there. That gives me that little bit of goosebumps as, a, as somebody that doesn't, doesn't do any of that stuff anymore. Like it's long gone in my past now, but it still gives me that little bit of freaking excitement inside of me because I feel like I'm helping out somebody to actually have a better quality of life. And, it, and I've been on the ledge before, right? Like I went through my divorce shit too. I didn't have kids, but I went through some pretty heavy divorce stuff and I couldn't go back to my home in Florida. I lost my car, my house, my everything I had down wow. there. And so like, I was like a country song, <laughs> literally sitting up here in Canada, trying to rebuild my life at 38 years old. Right. And I had to start from a bag really, you know, living in my aunt's basement. So, you know, when you lose it all and it's all gone and Eckhart Tolle talks about this in his writings, as far as power now and all that stuff, when you lose it all and you get stripped down naked in a different way (laughs) and you have nothing left, that's when you actually kind of get, get to that point where you can, if you can still say, Hey, I'm okay with who I am. I can still build myself from here. That's where you, that's where it really kind of starts from. And so for me, that was my journey of like, it just changed my life when I went through that. It was the hardest shit I've ever gone through, but I'm so glad that I did. And I'm grateful for it now, like literally yeah. grateful for the pain and struggle that I went through. Right. Cause I couldn't relate to other people unless I did. Yeah. So. Men, men have to show up successful, you know, uh, guys, yeah. guys will date, guys will wife up a woman who's under a bridge, living under Vidoc with no teeth and no makeup. That's what we'll do. But if you're a man, you got to show up to be a provider. You got to have a job. You got to have a car. You got to have a house. You can't be living in your mom's basement. You, you got to show up and you've got to compete with, you know, 50,000 other men that are chasing one woman at a time. It seems like these days. Well, especially there's other, when there's other strippers like yourself out there that I have to compete with. And that's a whole other story. I had that problem for so many years. I feel you on that. Oh man, the competition's strong. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I mean, competition strong and long. <laughs> I'm not but, sure what that means. But I will say that the reason, you know, I, I finished the, all the stories in my book years ago, but the reason why I went into a different realm with this book and actually tried to make it in more into a personal mm-hmm. development side was, is that I wanted to actually write those stories and then reveal my naked truth, all part of my branding, of course, at the end of every chapter. So that's like my mm-hmm. undrug hazed accountable freaking responsible side that's coming out at 50 years old going, Hey, you really screwed up here, man. This is a life lesson that you can pass on to someone else. Right. And so that's where I think that I have something unique. It's just a little bit different than the way that a regular biography could be written, I guess. So it's an interesting read. I went through the same journey you did where at 50, I started waking up to stuff and it's, it's, you know, people might say, well, why, why do you know more at 50 than you know at 30 or 20 or something like that? At 50, 
you have a path of wreckage and successes that you can look back on and you can see the trajectory. You can see yes. the path. You know, you can yes. see your footsteps down the path and you go, yeah, that, that wasn't my best choice. Like anytime I meet someone who said, you know, you hear that phrase, they go, if you go back and change anything, would you change anything? I don't trust people that say they wouldn't go back and change anything. Oh, I've said that before myself. I've still said that before myself. <laughs> I hate when people say I have no regrets. I'm like, bullshit, you have no bullshit. regrets. Yeah, no regrets. Yes. Come on, man. I mean, you know, yeah. I've, I've said some mean people to the things that, you know, even years later, I'm like, God, what an asshole I was when I did that. And it, yeah. if you don't, it, like, a life that's, you know, I forget the quote, but a life that's uh, on thing. But at 50, you can mm-hmm. see the wreckage. You can see like, yeah. you know, 30, 40 years of, you're like, maybe I should go get some help when I was 20. You know, oh, someone man. asked me, like, what what would you have told your 16-year-old self? I would have been like, go see a psychiatrist. Like, no. <laughs> I had really bad ADHD. You know, I'd check the door like 20 times a night to see yeah. if it was locked. You know, that sort of thing. I really needed some mental help for anxiety. And I later got it. But that was after I, you know, I really hit the wall. You know, murdered like 10,000 people or something. And the judge says, you can't do that anymore. That's just a joke, people. Don't do that. And I didn't do that. People are right now looking at my criminal records. Uh, so, so, you know, but, uh, you know, you can look back and you, there's so much to learn from it. And sadly, you know, I mean, I've, I've had people say, would you want to go back and be 20 again, Chris? And I'm like, only if I can take everything I learned. Totally. I agree. I so yeah. agree. Like that. I've always said that about like, take me back to my high school graduation year. Oh my God. Like, scary but no what i was gonna say on that though actually is is what's really cool like which which is what i've been able to do in a couple of situations where i was inauthentic with people in my past and i think there was a movie about this maybe it was jim carrey that did it in some way i can't remember which one but when you go back i think it was liar liar i think that was the one but when you go back and you actually speak to someone that you went through that shit with and you played the blame game and you were you were being inauthentic i've actually gone back to them and healed those relationships relationships i never dreamed could ever be healed but was able to do it from using my thumb and that's really an amazing feeling actually it's something i never thought i would actually be able to do but through yeah. this process i've been able to do that so that's why again right like it's just something that i'm so driven to help others out to do because it feels so bloody good it just really yeah. does you know and it really yeah. does and having that reconciliation and then you grow so much from it like you know yeah, I, I'll, I'll meet people and they'll they'll talk about their exes and like hey this person and they're so horrible and blah 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 and you know I, i've yeah i reconciled a long time ago that stuff in fact i'm really thankful for everything i learned from all my girlfriends i was engaged twice yeah i mean i didn't make some good choices of people i did an alcoholic at one point but she was a wonderful woman and she was trying the best she could with genetically she gotten and but you know now i look back and if i ever bumped into any of my old girlfriends i i'd thank them i'd be just like thanks for and i probably apologize for being an asshole you know i did my 50 percent of asshole this i was you're probably meaning it you're probably authentically meaning it now when you would be saying that to that person like yeah you're saying that from the heart right like that's a difference like yeah so i have a question for you though chris actually because i revealed one of my fears that was driven off of the ferris wheel Right. And like that was something that affected me as a little kid. Did you have anything from when you were a kid, like young, young, that you carried a fear of some sort into your adulthood? Was there something that, that, that you can think of that maybe that held you back from doing certain things? I mean, I know you've been really successful, but I mean, is there anything maybe just personally that had, had held you back? In there was way? trauma. There was yeah. Chester Benningfield trauma. Yeah. Oh, really? Him and, oh I share, him and I share some shit. 
Wow. So man. not not to his extent, but yeah, he resonates a lot with me. And I was really upset when he died. I photographed yeah, him at Wesley and in concert. And yeah, so yeah. trauma. And yeah. uh, you deal with that and you carry that. And you're just and now you can look back and you can go, I probably should have had talked to somebody about that soon. <laughs> yeah. I, but I brought that all out and brought it onto my Facebook one day. And, and Good for uh, you. Getting the poison out. I, I saw Leaving Neverland, and that helped. And really? So, yeah, that, that really wow. helped. Because I hadn't seen myself as a victim, and right. I didn't want to. So right. there's that. But, yeah, that, that had an effect. But people learn this stuff. And, you know, wow. you, you might be able to say that some of the arc of my life was was from that. But right. I don't know, man. I I had a good time. <laughs> well, but, but, but straight up, like, I've got to give you credit for that because a lot of people aren't willing to go there, right? Like, that's cool. I give kudos to that in a big way, right? I mean, because, yeah. I mean, like I say, you could hear it in, in Chester's writing. You could hear it. I didn't realize it until after he passed away, right? Like I didn't, I didn't get it. But and, I didn't and, know why he resonated with me so much. I'm like, why does this, you know, crawling in my skin? Yeah, uh, right. I didn't know why that was what that, I've done. Yeah, what I've done. <laughs> yeah. A lot of his, a lot of his songs and the mm-hmm. anger and emotion. But yeah, yeah. It, so you know, I, I saw on the Oprah show after leaving Neverland, and and the guy got up who'd been, I think, an NFL star. And he written a book and he said, you know, the, the, the poison that you keep inside you is the secrets that you keep inside you is a poison that kills you. Shit, so, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. uh, I mean, these are the things we, you have in your life. And I, I advise anybody who has trauma as a child, please go get help, go to a psychiatrist. And I For probably sure. should have spent 10 years as a psychiatrist. I think people still see me now. They still see my Facebook post. He still needs help. But, you know, this is the journey. This is the story yeah. of life, a collection of stories and lessons. And, and hopefully, you know, we all live a life where we learn from them. Cause if you don't, I can't imagine getting to the end of my life and not learning shit. Oh man, you know, I'll say this, Trent Shelton is actually one of my favorite people as far as in the self-help game. And one thing that always resonated with me that he said is people that focus so much on their freaking birthday all the time. Like, why are you focusing on your birthday so much? You should be focusing on your death day. Like, and I'm not talking about physical death. I'm talking about your death day. Like, are you walking around on this freaking planet dead? Because I know a lot of people that are my age or our age, so to speak, that are. And yeah. and they might have all the money on the planet. That's cool. But at the same time, like, just because you have the most toys doesn't necessarily mean you're the happiest. And, yeah. like, really, I've known there was one man that I met when I was in Florida. It was one of my good, good friends down there. You know, I mean, God, he had he was worth $43 million at that time back 15 years ago. And he was one of the saddest people I've ever met. You know, yeah. and it was just, it was shitty. I mean, we sat there and drank wine on a Friday night and he was in tears because he was like hiring call girls for the weekend because he didn't have any love in his life. Right. And I mean, it's, like it's a bad thing. Well, you know, whatever your flavor, but I'm just saying <laughs> he was actually envying me at the time because I was married and he's like, Oh yeah, you got so much going on. I'm thinking to myself, I'll take the friggin' yacht that you have out in your front yard. You know, I'll, I'll trade you the wife for the yacht if you're open to it, you know, but no, <laughs> yeah, I lived in Vegas for 20 years. You know, a lot of girls that are, Call girls. I got a lot of girls that's been Rhino and I used to be OGs back in the day and sapphires and stuff. A lot of my models from Utah went to work for them. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I kind of understand the other side of your business, the female yeah. side of your business. Oh, but, dude. uh, Do yeah. I ever, I I'm, I'm working out though now. I'm, I've been, I started working out for the first time my whole life, going to the gym every day. Sweet. I've been doing that for seven or eight months now. I began August 4th. So, Somebody count that. But uh, I've been working out, and I'm getting shape, yes. and I'm going to be on that to Thunder Down Understage in Vegas next year. Well, you know, um, I got a recommendation for you, man. When you do it, when you do it, 
I got a, I got a little hint for you. I'm going to give you a little tidbit. All you have to do is, is if you don't have your abs fully set by then, just uh-huh. go ahead and get a razor and shave them in. Just shave the ab lines in, and they'll, they'll actually it'll actually make them stand out more. I'm for fairly you. hairy, so I can pull yeah, it off. Yeah, you can pull it off, man. You could do yeah. it. So, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I just kind of make sure it's warm in the place. So there you, go. there you go. Yeah, man. No, there you know you it's funny too. Like like I said, you were talking about female dancers, and they're probably misunderstood a lot of the time because they have to deal with the male mentality, right? Like they're dealing with the guy that's sitting there eating his hamburger in the front row, going, "Oh yeah, her ass is too big," being all critical. I don't like her outfit. And you're sitting there like, you know, these girls are out there hustling their asses off, working all day, just trying to make a buck, right? Whereas on the other side of me, I was like Mr. Ladies Night out there and the women are there just to take it, you know, yell and take it off, baby. And they're out there just to have a good time with their friends. They were treating you like a piece of meat? Oh, women God. were? There was even a place one time that I worked in. I worked in a club in freaking Houston, Texas, that actually had a place that had a big, a big stage. Like we all stood up there, and it was called the meat rack, literally. And (laughs) girls would come up and pick guys Uh, off the meat rack to do private shows. It was. I lasted two days. I was out of there. Couldn't even do it. No. The meat rack. The meat rack. No lies. Horrible. And that was a year after I won Mr. Nude Western Canada. So it was kind of a downgrade. It was like, yeah, it was not a good thing. So, yeah, (laughs) I had a lot of of ups and downs, my friend. Lots of ups and downs. That's crazy. Yeah, I've I've had friends that have gone to that. My my buddies' wives, you know, they'll go with a crew of girls. And, like, Chris, you have no idea how much women, like, really go crazy at those things. And I've always always kind of half wanted to go. But then, you know, I don't want someone to see me there and be like, uh, whatever. Hey, why are you I'm here? Not, I'm not judging anybody. But in fact, one of my friends in, in, in Beverly Hills, we used to party a lot back in the day. David Harrison Levi, I don't know if you know him. Mm, but I think he was the vice president of Chippendales for a long time. And uh, I think he helped build it, really. But yeah, he's, he's a wonderful guy, really super nice and, and just an angel of a man. Does all these charities now, does all this you name it, he's an honorary charitable dude to all of it. But yeah, we, we had a lot of fun. And so anytime I do, anytime people know that I'm friends with him, cause he had Chippendales and then I do my strip jokes, strip club jokes, the, you know, people start looking at me like, were you a dancer? I've got at least a couple people that are seriously convinced there's photos of me somewhere working for Chippendales. No, but, man. Uh, oh, you, you can start char- you, you can start charging for that on the side and make you some money, man. I, I might I should make that a bucket list thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I wouldn't be able to go fully new, but you know, a thong and I go yeah. up and and you know, I wear Magnum XLs. I could probably pull it off. <laughs> I don't know. Stuff suck an extra sock in there because I'm fifty. I don't know. But <laughs> Dude, uh, I, I never thought that I could, and then, I really never thought that I could. The first time I ever saw a male dancer here in Canada taking it all off and going like yeah. full full Monty, I was like, "There's no." freaking way i could do that but i was mentored by the number one dancer in canada next thing you know i was out there freaking giving her and you know all i can say is 10 years later after that it was like you know here i was my career was started in the industry and i never gave up on it because i actually enjoyed it like people go oh did you get did were you like exploited and brought into this because you started at 17 years old and i was like no, in fact, it was just a random story that I ended up knowing somebody that was a couple of years older than I was at Bounce at a nightclub, and he let me in, and then all of a sudden, boom, I'm hired on as a topless waiter going to high school, taking my gear off on Tuesdays and Thursdays and making money, and my folks were like, you know what, the kid's making money. As long as he's not screwed up on drugs and he keeps his grades up, let him fill his boots, and that, that was what happened, and I just kept doing it. It was crazy. I think it'd be, funny to, I think it'd be funny just to do it once. 
I, just to see how crazy women get at those things. I've just heard about it, but you know, and then magic Mike's kind of made it popular. That oh, magic yeah. Mike uh, movie or whatever. <laughs> I think yeah. Like the third or fourth one coming out now. And no, it'd be fun just to go do it. I, I'd be like that. I'd be like, uh, what's his face from Tommy boy, that SNL skit. Oh, you mean J- David Spade? Was Not it? David Spade, but Chris, Chris, Chris Farley, Farley did it. Yeah, with, uh, with Patrick, Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Swayze. Yeah, I, was I remember epic. seeing that live for the first time on SNL. I was on the so floor. Good. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't I breathe. I myself. I'm sorry. Yeah, so, it was so good. Uh, that would be me on the stage. I'll tell you this. If you were to just give, make my life, if you were to go, okay, which three movies represented my life? It would be freaking, <laughs> it would be Joe Dirt, Forrest Gump, and Magic Mike. You throw all three of those together, <laughs> you got me, man. You That's got a hell me. of a roll, man. That's there a hell go. of a roll, yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so all right, funny. man. Well, it's been fun to have you on, Corey, and I'm glad yeah, you're using your uh, vast knowledge and your experience and your stories of your life to help other people. Give us your yeah. plug so people can find you on the interwebs, man. Yeah, like I say, I mean, I'm on um, Instagram. Basically, it's just Corey underscore underscore Hilton. So it's not that's H I L T O N C O R E Y Corey Hilton, basically on Facebook. But uh, the main place to catch me really is on my website. Like if you subscribe to my website, you can get discounted rates on my courses on the book. And you can even chat with me on there. And it's not a bot like you'll actually truly get through to me, believe it or not. So yeah, that's the best place realistically right now. And it's just under development. Like as of April 1st, my courses are being launched. So I'm really excited about that side of things, Chris, because like, yeah, the book's one thing, but it's really the launch pad of what I really want to do with the rest of my life. And if I can really, like I say, be be providing video courses and courses where they can cross reference with my book and have a little bit of fun with this whole personal development journey at the same time, just, it's just a different angle. Right. And I just really believe that by showing myself to somebody and them showing themselves, it's just it's just more of a, I guess you could say a, a trust that I have between the, between those people and everybody that I actually work with. It's completely confidential as well. So just something that, you know, you're not in any jeopardy. You're not in any position that you're going to be getting in any shit with anybody to, for opening up, you know, maybe something that you, has happened in your past with me anyways. So, hey, cause I'm just trying to help other people out. Like I said, if it's, if it's a matter of, I just, I can honestly say that if I didn't have the disconnection issues that I had, I probably would have lived a lot better first half of my life. So I just want to be able to help other people not to be so bloody disconnected in this world of disconnection and connection that we have right now. I feel so, you. I probably would have drank a whole lot. That would have been better for me. And, I, you know, everything I used to eat, all the crap I used to eat that I'm still wearing. But I'm getting rid of it. Uh, it's yeah. been wonderful that you have on the show, Corey. And it's been Thanks, incredibly man. fun, too, as well. Yeah. So thank you for coming on. Thank Folks, you. order up the book. You can go on Amazon or wherever fine books are sold. Yeah. Take it off, Revelations of a Male Exotic Dancer. And I think if they order it from you directly on your website, they get an autograph copy, don't they? Yeah, sign copy. I will even put for your particular audience, I will do it as VOS code, all small letters, V-O-S-S-C-O-D-E. Get a 20% discount on the courses or, yeah. and or the book. So that's cool. And then on top of that, like you said, Amazon, Barnes & Noble uh, in the States and uh, Chapters Indigo here in Canada. So yeah, this place you can get it. Awesome. There you go. And then, uh, I'm not going to do that joke. Uh, oh, go for it. Table. No, no, I was, was going to say, can, <laughs> can people order like thongs in you and stuff like that? And, oh, uh, it was, and that's so, that's so funny. You said that I was actually looking at making, I'm looking at making bookmarks. Oh my God. And, and I want to do dirty ones and clean ones. And the dirty ones are like oh going to have, God. they're going to be, you know what shape they're going to be. And then on yeah, some, well. the, the bookmark and then the other side, you flip it over and it's a ruler. Frickin' perfect. <laughs> perfect, man. Oh. That's where I want to go with it.
Oh, we, yeah. I, you know, I made a few porn star female friends in Clubhouse during, you know, when everyone oh, yeah. locked down. And I met Eric Everhart, who's in the porn business. He's been on the show with his book and he coaches people. And I met a few women that do the same thing. And yeah, they, they do the selling the underwear thing. It was kind of interesting to hear. You know, hey, everything's a business, man. I mean, that's how yeah. I look at it. So, you know, marketing and, you know, if, if people, somebody's buying it. So if you want to blame somebody, anything or whatever, you want to pull some moral card, pull it on the people buying it. You know, if there wasn't a market, no one would do it. But I, uh, I know you have to go, but I will say this, you know, the, the most reviews that I've gotten on Amazon have all been from women, believe it or not. And it's based, it's a book that's based, it's based to help men, but they've all been like, I need to actually get my man to read this freaking thing. Holy they crap. Need to, you're they right. Need to figure this out. Holy they need crap. To figure you're it out. right. Yeah. Yeah. It's wow. all women. And that's the funniest part of the whole thing. I'm sitting here going, like, are you kidding me? So, yeah, it's kind of cool. Like, But it just hasn't gotten out there, right? Like, the book hasn't gotten out there as far as it needs to go. So, hence why I'm here, man. I want to be able to wow. let the world know. So, yeah. yeah, you're not even kidding, man. I'm looking over your reviews. So around. crazy. So yeah. crazy. It's wow. all well, there you go. There you go. You're, you've got yeah. your fan base. Yeah, so, awesome, man. <laughs> anyway, thanks to my audience for tuning in. Thanks to Corey for being here. Go check out his book, of course. Uh, go on goodreads.com, fortunate Chris Voss. You can see my book and order it up. My books. You can also go to youtube.com, fortunate Chris Voss. Make sure you subscribe. We're going to have so many great authors on this year. I think we're approaching the new million mark that we're hitting and then also another thousand shows. Also go to all our groups, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all those different things. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time.